Uh, let me shut the door. Hold on. Everybody just came home. Oh, it will happen onto the internet soon. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, uh, they will. They'll all be going on to... Uh... Oh, man. Oh, oh. Oh. Was that Scott there for a second? I, heard... oh. I was trying to... Uh, I guess I could have just taken my headphones off. But I was stretching with one leg trying to reach the door while standing Whilst. on one leg with, with my headphones still attached. Yeah, accident waiting to happen. So now I can have quiet. Weston, we waxation at last. To Avengers Spotlight. Researching, reading. My researching included reading the book. Cross-referencing. I looked up the book Hank uh, Hank McCoy was reading. What was he reading? Oh, I, gotta, I, I didn't notice. Oh, it was on like the second page. Oh, I gotta go find that now. I don't know. I'm gonna look. I had no, no, no. I had to shut everything down. Shut it down. No, I just, I just want to know what the name of the book was. Lose, lose the grid or lose your job. Shut it, shut it down. Shut it all down. I can't even read what it is. It's uh, it's not gibberish, or that's gibberish. Too. Gibberish. Gibberish. What is it? What? Um, it is. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to get to it. Oh, you can't read it here. You can't read it in this copy, can you? No, I can't. Ah, see, I see. I was able to read it in my hardback because it was clear as day. Hold on, let me open it up. I have to flip to the page. Page sixty something of my hardcover. Grooks by Pete Hine. Grooks. G R O O K S by P I E T H E I N. That is a real person. That is a real book. A Grooks is, is a is that a nonfiction poem. book? Yes, it's a a. Uh, Grooks is a poem that this guy apparently, a style of poem that I don't know if he created it, but he was famous for it. It's famous a pretty song. cerebral thing. I had never heard of it until I looked it up, so don't feel bad. I Trust me, I didn't feel bad. <laughs> I was not feeling in the slightest bit bad. Pete Hine was a Danish scientist, mathematician, inventor, designer, author, and poet, often writing under the Old Norse pseudonym for Cumbill, meaning tombstone. Well, you, you, it does make sense that he would be reading heady stuff. Oh, yeah. Apparently, he also invented... Uh, Toilet paper. No, no. He invented the... Uh, yeah, I don't George know. Foreman Grill. No, something... Of, I uh, I can't find it. Now. It was something about... He invented the... Um, Acrostic. I'm throwing things out here for you. Mm -hmm. Let me go to Wikipedia, because it's always right.
It is always right. It's a wonderful tool. He invented some type of oval, rectangular oval. I don't know, something like so, that. So, like, like he invented a shape that did not exist. I, I know. That's what I, I it's was like, like. The guy what? who invented the square. <laughs> I invented the circle. Yeah, right. I invented the oval. No, I don't think you did. You may have discovered the oval. I don't think you invented it. He used. It's like like saying you you invented oxygen. You know, your love is like oxygen. You get too much, you get too high. Not enough. Never liked that song. Die. I'm trying to remember who sang it. I'm drawing. Uh, sweet. Sweet. Yes. Oh, I, look I was, at me pulling out the '70s. That was very very nice. Was, I didn't. I never liked that song, but but I should have remembered. You know, my other one of my other favorite obscure '70s songs. Hit me with Hocus, it. Hocus Pocus by Focus. Okay, yeah, I, I kind of. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's enough of that. That was horrible. Hey, I tried. I know, and that's what's so sad. <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. But in my case, just don't try. Did Slim Whitman sing that? I guess. Hocus Pocus with Slim Whitman. You know, I Thank can you. tell you I've heard of Hocus Pocus by Focus, but I don't think I ever heard it before. I don't remember ever hearing that. You never heard that song? And you so would think you I had... remember that one. So you had no idea what I was singing when I was doing it? No, I just thought you were having I... a seizure. No, I thought, no, seriously. I you did, You never heard that song before? I don't think I ever have. Oh, yeah, the guy does the whole, that's the, the yodeling thing. That's what I was doing. I just thought you were having a seizure. No, no. If I was a seizure, would be like, Arr! Yeah, that would be a lot different. <laughs> so <laughs> I was listening to Half Hour Wasted today, and they were talking about the Avengers. And? <laughs> they were talking about how the how the robots and um, how the, the, the Legion robots that Tony Stark created how they went through the A-hole in Avengers Tower. <laughs> Ooh. Which they did. They went through the hole in the A on the side of the building, remember? When yes, they flew back? Did. So they went through the A-hole. That was, that was pretty good. I hadn't, no, I hadn't like taken specific notice of that fact, but that is true, I guess. Yes, yeah, something else that I heard them bring up that I hadn't caught was that... Um, James Spader did the voice of the Legion robots before one of them was turned into Ultron. But it was a more subdued, more robotic sound, like he was, you know, doing a voice. Uh-huh. He was, okay. He was, I... that, that was his voice. So that makes sense that when the Ultron robot was changed, it was the evil James Spader. Or the James Spader proper, we the James Spader who, ref- who refused to uh, apologize to George Costanza. <laughs> was that on a Seinfeld episode? Yes. Uh, was it actually James Spader or was it no was James Spader? No, well he was oh. playing a different character. Oh, okay. But, but he was the he was he guested on the show and he played an addict who was uh, I think he was an alcoholic who was going through the twelve step program and George was just waiting for him to apologize to him when he got to the apologize thing because uh-huh. he wouldn't lend George a sweatshirt a sweater rather and uh, when it came time like he didn't apologize to him. And he was like, I'm sorry that I wouldn't let you ruin my fine cashmere sweater by putting your bulbous head through the normal-sized neck hole. Is there a plane flying over your house? Helicopter. Oh. 
probably probably searching me out. You you have someone that's that's uh, uh yeah, coming in from the Hamptons perhaps. No, they they generally don't travel to East Meadow by helicopter. <laughs> but anyways, we should. Uh, I think we should probably uh, intro ourselves. Why don't you bring it in? Yeah, Arnold should do Hocus Pocus by Focus. He would be quite the yodeler. Well, he could. Yeah, he could put the he put he put on the later hosen. Oh, I see a woman woman in a in a wheelchair on a treadmill on the on the Price is Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's on it's on Facebook. I, that doesn't mean it's true, but it's on there. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So uh, I guess I'll intro us then. I was I was just uh, I was uh, I don't know what I was doing. Just there. passing by. See, I uh, just passing. Uh, just by. passing by. Well, see, I drank some cold Mountain Dew and it was a shock to my system, so I didn't know what to do. I'm almost out of this cold stuff too. I told my son, get, Ben, you get, get to go back to the sweet, piss warm stuff. I said, Ben, bring me bring me some ice. And he brings me, like, he fills the entire cup up with ice. So I drank I a whole like cup. That. Yeah, well, um, I do, too, because then I eat the ice. So, I mean, I do like cold soda. However, I will drink it warm. I mean, I, you know. Clearly. It's, you know, hot, warm, cold. Don't matter so, to me. Forget about it. I have to change the subject again. Have uh, you watched any of Gotham? I'm, I think, six episodes back. Today is the series finale as we're recording. I'm going to just, at some point, I'm just going to binge the whole run. Oh, because I've been binging. Um, I'm probably right where you are. I just finished the one. uh, You said you're six back? Because I just finished, like, episode 14, I think. I I couldn't tell you which episode that is. The one that deals with Crane? Okay, yeah, that's a few back from where I am. Um, on a whole, um, to me, the show is okay, but it isn't really, like, must-watch for me. No, that's why I'm only getting to it just now. I've only been watching for, like, the past week on, on and off. I started to watch, and it's, it's, been, it's been okay. Honestly, I, mean, I kind of feel the same way about S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Yeah, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been, I don't know. And now they say that they're going to do a, uh, another spinoff of it. And I'm like, I think they should worry about making. Yeah, maybe you should get your own house in order before they start spreading it, spreading themselves thinner. Yeah, and and my problem, I think, is that they're not just they're not doing enough of the Marvel universe. And I know people say, well, you know, well, they're starting to, but with the possible inhuman stuff going on, and uh, with the with them saying, you know, who, who Sky is, that she is an actual character, and. And her dad, you know, his name is Calvin Zabo. Yeah, no, I know who he is. I know who she is. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, the show just it's isn't grabbing there. me right now. Whereas compared to The Flash, whew. The Flash is grabbing me and not letting go. <laughs> yeah, I can't watch any of that tonight. Well, obviously, because we're talking while it's on right now. I'm thinking I'll watch it on the DVR after we're done, if I can. If it's not too late and I, and, and, and I have to go, you know, just go right to sleep. No, I'll, I'll I'll probably catch it tomorrow on Hulu. Not now that I'm Hulu plusing. So you're a Hula Hooper. Hulu. Yeah, you don't you you don't want to see me in a Hula Hoop. No, you really don't. I don't know if I could do a Hula Hoop. Maybe we should make that a contest. Who can do a Hula Hoop the longest at Paul's house? All right, so that that okay, we'll, see, we'll, see, we'll fill about thirty <laughs> seconds of time with that, and then what are we gonna do? No, see 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 what should happen is we would have a dream sequence. Blue, blue, 
and it'll say cut ahead you know six weeks later and then you see like me with a hula hoop in your house like smashing things on you know breaking stuff and there's hero over there breaking stuff and and we're all just like a bunch of guys in there you're like stop it stop what are you doing just just a thought let's not do that what do you say okay uh hula hooping and uh twister definitely out of course of course some uh some some mma might be in order mma oh yeah okay mixed martial art wait wait, i'm out of breath bill all you did was walk in a room i know i'm man you're walking you start slapping out against the wall (laughs) honey will probably take us all he's he's like the little wily one flipping us over doing i I, i see like I see it like in a cartoon where everybody's battling and you just see kind of the dust cloud and then you see you see Honeywell crawl out from the floor like underneath it all and then just sit watching. <laughs> anyway, hello everybody uh, and welcome to Back to the Bin. Welcome to Two True Freaks presents Back to the Bins presents Avengers Spotlight. This is episode number 11 and part is. 2 of the Corvax saga. Part two, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I guess it is because the other one was not an official part. Part two tonight, tonight we're going to be heading into issue one sixty eight. But before we do that, I think we've already talked about the Avengers on a previous podcast, so we did on a bonus episode. Yep, you got the bonus plan, baby. That's so we did that, which I'm sure at some point, probably by the time this comes out, there'll be a. Uh, uh, a freak roundtable, I'm sure. Uh, there was talk of doing it, and I know I was not available when they were talking about recording, so I'm kind of glad that we were able to put our thoughts into the, you know, our initial thoughts at least, into the uh, bonus episode it, that we did. Yeah, because I think I'm going to do it this weekend, and I don't know how available I'm going to be either. So, but, you know, we'll let other people have time to put their thoughts. But thoughts I, I do down. have to, I, I can give you, I, well, did I tell you, actually, when we recorded, uh, the last uh, regular episode, I think I may have mentioned that on Sunday I ended up seeing it a second time, just two days mm. after I saw it the first time. And it was because my son couldn't go the first time, so I agreed to, to see it a second time for his benefit. And honestly, I think I saw it too close in time. I think I needed a little bit more time to pass between viewings because the second time around I was, I, I was just not as pulled in by it. And I think mm-hmm. if I, you know, I think if I, there were a couple of weeks that went by in between viewings, I think I would have been enthralled again. Right. It was just too soon. Too soon. It's too soon. It's too soon. Anyway, that's that's my thought. I mean, I, there, there have been, uh, you know, movies we saw like when, when we did the review of Iron Man three and when we did the review of Thor two. On both of those movies, I was kind of tepid, but then when I saw them months later on home video. I warmed up to them a lot more. So mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm curious how this is going to play out because my initial viewing, I really enjoyed it. My second viewing, I was a little bit more tepid. Now it'll be months before I see it again, and I'm curious as to how it's going to play out. Mm. Well, I probably won't, won't see it until, uh, just because I'm cheap, I, I won't see it again until till it's out on Netflix. or uh, Well, because I think, I think the contractually it comes to Netflix first now with the whole... Marvel with uh, with the deal with Netflix. Well, that I really don't know. I mean, it, I'm sure it'll probably go to Redbox first, though. 
Maybe. Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Also, do not know. I have no working knowledge. I mean, I have Netflix, but I have no working knowledge of their contractual, you know, uh, relationship with Marvel. Other well, no, than I, I, I know they have a relationship because of Daredevil. Yeah, no, I thought I had heard something about that. That there was, like, it'll come to that. Bef- it'll go to Netflix before it'll go to the other major cable stuff like HBO. Apparently. Well, yeah, that's that's usually pretty standard. Uh, mm. The question is, does it? When does it go in conjunction with the home video release? I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> oh, here, what'd you do? I don't know. <laughs> just old. Uh, join the club. You know, just as somebody who's a few years older than you, eventually you just kind of get numb. So don't worry. Mm. You still there? Do I yeah, hate to call the ambulance? No, no, no. The no. ambulette. <laughs> ambulette. It's like a mini ambulance. Come on, I think I need a full-size It's a Volkswagen with turrets on the top. I think I need a full-size one. <laughs> All right, so where do, where do we leave off? What are we talking about? I don't know. What are we doing? So, well, anyway, before we get in the book, uh, should we cover our... We got two emails. Yeah, I think we should. And the first one is from our good friend and sometimes co-host, Mike Bailey. Dear Scott, Yay. dear Scott, Paul, and Dr. Bill, I'm on a serious Marvel kick these days. And my current focus is the Avengers. And since I am the type of person that likes to listen to shows that line up to whatever my ferret on double espresso attention span, so I loaded up the entirety of Avengers Spotlight on my Zono phone and powered through them in a few days worth of doing busy, busy work at, well, work and while working out at the gym. First, let me say how much I am enjoying the show. I love the dynamic of the host's whether it's the trifecta of Scott, Paul, and Dr. Bill, or just Paul and Dr. Bill, or Paul and Dr. Bill and their intern. It helps that you all have a passion for the material, and let me tell you that passion is infectious. I also applaud your decision to not be an index show. As someone that is part of two such shows, I can say that while they are amazingly fulfilling, it can be a bit daunting. So the let's pick an issue or story or whatever out of a hat approach is great. The one story I wanted to comment on directly, now that I am done waxing your cars, so to speak, <laughs> is the Under Siege story. I haven't read this one yet, but it is part of the Stern run, and you can bet I will be reading it sooner or later. Like Scott, I am a Stern victim and tend to enjoy all of his work. This story sounded pretty damn epic, and I, like you guys, hope it gets adapted someday, even as an ad- animated film, if nothing else. Anyway, I've gone on long enough. I rarely do this. But if you guys ever talk about Burns Run on Avengers West Coast, I'd love to be a part of that. There was a time when I was really down on those books, but I revisited them a few years back and I really enjoyed them. Burn drew the hell out of those issues and made U.S. Agent, a.k.a. I'm not Guy Gardner, but I'll play him in this universe, look the best he ever did. So I am at your, I am at your disposal. Regards, Mike Bailey. Uh, Mike you, is host of... Views from the Long Box, Bailey's Batman podcast, co-host of Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, co-host of Tales of Justice Society, and co-host of Radio KAL Live. And there's also Mike's uh, home base, the Fortress of Bailey-Tude at fortressofbailey So Mike is, uh, as he is well aware, always welcome to come on. And if we cover those issues, we'll absolutely be having him with us. Mm-hmm. No question Bye. at all. We just did a show the other night with him. Yes, we did. And uh, I don't know if this episode is going to be posted before that one or after that one as we're recording right now. But at some point, they'll both be posted. Uh, I, it's funny because I uh, I was 
originally kind of interested in the idea of doing it as a an index show, just because I thought it would be fun to, to work our way through the early issues, which I find to be a lot of fun. But I also like the idea that we kind of can do whatever we feel like doing. Mm-hmm. I think at some point I'd like to go back and do some more of those early issues as part of the pick something out of the hat. But beyond that, I, I think I, I agree that at some point doing it as an index show, we'd probably get burnt out and stop. So this might be best. Yeah. And eventually maybe we'll cover most of it or, you know, as, as much. You never know. There's there's so there's so, so much to cover. And heck, we're only on what episode? This is 11. 11. <laughs> this one goes to 11. Well, yeah, and you know, so we get a long way to worry about. The thing about doing it as an index show that I feel kind of strongly about is if you're going to do it as an index show, you should have a pretty regular release schedule. And we are very sporadic in our release schedule, if, if people haven't noticed. Uh, and I think that would make me a little crazy after a while. So I think I think we chose the best format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a fill-in when we can't... Uh, well, I mean, not that we're not interested in what we're doing, but it just kind of fills in when we just can't work things out with back to the bins or things are just tight. You know, we've got something we can fall back on to that we both enjoy doing. And, uh, and there you have it. So to speak. cliche, cliche, cliche. Oh, well, I guess I have the second email and this, I believe is a new, um, writer in her. As far as I know, it is emailer call ever, uh, ever being exposed before this. And it comes from Socrates or Socrates, depending on how you want to pronounce it. From Socrates Alvarez, and it says, Paul and Dr. Bill, the story of Dr. Bill's encounter by the pool was hilarious. And for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, go back to episode number nine after the credits, and that'll explain everything. I was listening while painting my mother-in-law's duplex. <sighs> yeah, I know. Is there any superhero that has mother-in-law issues? Off the top of my head, I don't know the answer. Best regards, Socrates S. Alvarez the Third. And I actually did a Google search for that and came up with nothing. So um, the closest I can think of is in the JLA when uh, what was it? Our Man and uh, Liberty Bell wasn't her mother part of the part of the ensemble? Hmm. What you mean that? Uh, well. Like when when we did the Thanksgiving issue, wasn't wasn't there? A oh there? yeah 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 yeah. Hmm. I haven't gone back to actually look at this to see if my memory is correct. Well, now uh, I mean, if we expand that a little bit to a superhero that has like family issues, you know, you could get a lot. But of course, the first one that comes to mind is Aunt May. Really? <laughs> but she can hold her own. She was a herald of Galactus, and she uh, she apparently can satisfy a man. Oh man! Now I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I don't know. I don't know what you want to do in there, but not that. Keep it quiet, dude. It's all the cold Mountain Dew. <laughs> you need to take a break. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's good. <laughs> not yet. Well, well, it looks like we're all caught up with the email, and thank you for for writing in. I believe we're gonna have to get caught up on our bins mail. Our bins mail is getting kind of full again. And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw out to the to people. Uh, iTunes reviews are nice. Oh, do we have any for Avengers Spotlight? Are we not that I'm aware of. But they're they're nice. (laughs) Be nice to get some. Look at you. You're always fishing. You're always out there fishing. Well, if you love us, and I know if you're listening, you probably do, (laughs) then maybe you should give us us a review. Let people know that you love us. Because you know what happens when we don't get iTunes reviews on Facebook? 
I mean, uh, well, nothing because they don't go there. But we all know what happens when we don't get iTunes reviews on iTunes, right, Paul? Uh, baby Jesus Christ. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, if, if we don't get I, – I always say that I do this because I love doing it, not because I want to get the accolades or anything like that. Bullshit. But, but if we hit – you know, iTunes revu- reviews get people listening to us. And if people listen yeah. to us, I feel a little better about doing this. Right, because if nobody's listening to us, then this is really Then I'm spending a lot of time editing for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Then all we're doing is listening to ourselves and recording it and editing it. And then listening to it again. Listening to it again. Uh, And I'm feeling really creepy about my life now. Please, please email in and give us some reviews. (laughs) Ah. What he said. What he said, yeah, the other guy. So are we ready to jump into our issue tonight? Today, I'm or whenever someone is listening. Ready when you are. Ready when you are. Well, tonight, as I said earlier, we're covering a cover. Take two. We are covering Avengers 168 from February of 1978. And take a look at the cover for a second. And we once again have a. Uh, this cover again is. Um, George Perez, and we have Terry Austin doing the inks just like last time on the cover. And we have a rather, uh, I don't want to say Dr. Evilish, but a mysterious figure in a chair looking on as the Avengers bust through a wall. And uh, we have the Beast saying, it's impossible. The most powerful supervillains couldn't break into Avengers headquarters as easily as he did. And we see Thor ready to swing the hammer, Wonder Man smashing through the wall, Vision rising up through the floor, Scarlet Witch throwing a hex bolt, Iron Man blasting through the wall as they face the mysterious, the most unexpected confrontation ever. Guest starring the Guardians of the Galaxy and featuring Starhawk's most desperate duel. First, first blood. I didn't go first blood, did you? <laughs> I looked down and Wonder Man didn't have any legs. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> So take the fight. I'll fight the fight, you know? The problem is I, the problem is you never manage it. <laughs> Wait, how did Rambo become Rocky? <laughs> well, you, the question really is how did Rocky become Rambo? Yeah, that would be a better question. So that so we could have Burgess Meredith as uh, Colonel Trotman? You <laughs> could. At <laughs> ease, <is>, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> it was time, Rock. He's, was he's time. not. He's not Colonel Trotman. He's P.N. Gwynn. P.N. Gwynn. Colonel P.N. Gwynn. Wah, there was time. Wah, it's not fair. Wah, wah. God didn't create Rambo. I did. <laughs> Our credits for tonight's book oh, come to book us courtesy of, I'm looking this up on Mike's Amazing World, and we have writer James Shooter, penciler George Perez, inker, Pablo Marcos, letterer, Denise Wool. Uh, I guess she got married and became Vladimir at a later date. Colorist, Phil Rachelson. And this is reprinted in the Avengers, the Corvax Atta Saga trade paperback. But I happen to also have a hardcover version of that right next to me. And this came out cover date February 1978. On sale November 15th, 1977. Wow, man, that's, that's old, man. You were what? Uh... 77 what was what was the date 77 of november november i would be just 15 years old Ooh, wow a youngin cover price 35 cents 
Uh, and the synopsis comes to us courtesy of my copy of the official index to the Marvel Universe, The Avengers. <clears throat> the, the Avengers fly back to Earth with their new allies, the Guardians of the Galaxy, only to find Avengers Mansion ransacked by an intruder who has tied up their butler Jarvis. The intruder, National Security Council Special Agent Henry Peter Gyrich, was testing the team's security and easily bypassed it by entering via the large hole recently smashed through the mansion's wall by Count Nefaria. Gyrix explains he is the, the official in charge of overseeing the team's federal A1 security clearance status and stake sauce. I mean, <clears throat> and he is unimpressed by how easily an enemy might have penetrated their security or stolen vital national secrets. He is also disapproving. He also disapprovingly notes the Avengers' tendency to bring in guests who don't have proper security clearance, such as the Guardians and Wonder Man. As Gyrich departs, Captain America blames often absent leader Iron Man. Note: This is the return of Cap Dick or Dick Cap, depending on what you how you want to say it. Uh, Captain America blames often absent leader Iron Man for the team's recent setbacks, even striking him in anger. But Scarlet Witch breaks up the fight and shames Cap. Shame, bad, bad Cap. Did you do that on the carpet? And shames Cap into leaving. <laughs> Scarlet Witch hit him in the nose with a rolled-up newspaper. I gotta get a dog and name it Cap. <laughs> and shames Cap into leaving by pointing out his ineffectiveness in recent battles. Ooh, boy, that's that's you know. Like, yeah, you can't get it up, can you? Oh, anyway, your shields look a little lip there, Cap. Meanwhile, Avengers reservists Hawkeye and Two Gun Kid have are entertaining fellow train passengers while heading back east to rejoin the Avengers. The two friends then discussed how homesick Two Gun is for his native 1870s time period when the kid suddenly vanishes into thin air. Meanwhile, the Guardian Starhawk has gone off alone, shifted into his, her, Alita form, and located Korvac... Oh, oh, he must be Bruce Jenner. And located Korvac in the suburban home Korvac shares with his new wife, Karina. Determined to conceal himself from other cosmic beings and superheroes, Korvac kills Starhawk and Alita, then resurrects them exactly as they were, except for wiping their memories of this event and with a subtle alteration of their senses, preventing them from detecting or perceiving Korvac again. Note, this will be important later. Starhawk returns to the Avengers and Guardians, who are making plans for the Guardians to stay in the area as the Avengers guests while searching for Korvac and protecting young Vance Astrovic. Um, and then a little note here at the end is later story, stories, notably Marvel Team Up 8679, will indicate the Guardians of the Galaxy hold some form of Avenger status during their ongoing alliance with the Avengers in this period. And reference works beginning with the Ohatmu will specify their status as honorary membership, yada, 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 yada. So now, synopsis out of the way, let's dive into the book. Well, before we dive into the book, let's start with the cover. Oh, let's dive out of the book and go back to the cover. Another another George Perez, Terry Austin beauty right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, defies defies convention a little bit just by the way the characters are. I mean, they're they're all facing the the the, the reader and all, but they're they're kind of smallish. Uh, yeah, not 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 quite as smallish as we had on the last cover. Where, but the last cover you had two people front and center who weren't small. In this right, one, no, had, nobody like, is really... really designed to take. No, I don't think any one character is designed to grab your eye here. I think it's meant to be an ensemble piece. 
and for that reason, they're all small. But really, just well done in the way it's distributed because I think everybody has just a a little piece of of the spotlight, and yet it still leaves room for you know the the Perez tech around it and your foreboding unidentified man in the front in the foreground who's in the shadows. And once again, we have a, an event that actually takes place in the book. <laughs> yes. Two yes, things that, that catch my eye is it looks to me like the hole that they're creating in the wall as they burst through is an Omega symbol. I don't know if that's intentional or not. Mm. Uh, and the other thing is, why is the vision coming up from underground? Just from a logistic point of view, wouldn't he be coming from the same room as them? Would he drop into the ground and then come back up again? Well... <sighs> I just read the story, and I know the vision they, they actually, actually went down in the story. They they had to take the elevator down, right? But the vision while they were doing that was off in other parts of the mansion, doing a, a doing a little reconnaissance. Um, in, in you know, because he was going through all the different. Um, actually, I just went went to the page where they actually confront him, and the vision does come down through the ceiling. So yeah. It's a little different. I think it's just, you know, I mean, from a, from a uh, practical point of view, he's there so as to, to have his well, piece I, of the spotlight without being in the way of the other characters. Right, and I think it's more to demonstrate his power because he's phasing up through the floor. You know, I mean, I guess they could have done the same thing with him coming out from the side wall. Yeah, and it's incredibly nitpicky for me to even mention it. So <laughs> it's just, just I noticed it and I just figured I'd mention it just because mm-hmm. we're doing a more detailed analysis than we normally do. Right, right. And again, we've in addition to the Kirby tech, we have the Kirby rubble with um, with ripping of the wall. It's cracked in pieces and there's pieces on the floor and the concrete or the tile as they're as the, the as the wall's been ripped open. You can see chunks of the floor have been pulled up as well. Blowing chunks of the floor. He's got a nice little Scarlet Witch little energy bolt flying off of her hand. So it's like, uh, but who really tore the door up? And I, you know, was it, was it Iron Man and, and Wonder Man? Drawn, as drawn, I would think Iron Man, and which is actually the way it works in the story. Only it's not this group in the story when that happens. Yeah, he basically just blows the door open in in the story, and he impresses the hell out of Thor. And we'll, I guess we'll get to that, you know, shortly. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, that's kind of true to the story. Uh, overall, you know. I, I think it's a really catchy cover. This is some, this is one, if you have any interest at all in these characters and you're a kid in the newsstand, there's no question you're picking up this book. Hmm. You know, I just noticed right below the Avenger, where it's the 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 and the A on the cover, that says LT4 on the wall. You see that? Yeah, I do. I don't know what that means. Um, or maybe it means nothing. Lawrence Taylor? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Light four, I don't know. It's just, it's just odd that there's a, a letter there that's kind of weird, out, out of place. Yeah, but I have no idea. Maybe not. I just just spot never spotted it till now. If anybody listening would have any clue as to what that means or symbolizes, let us know because I have no idea. Because inquiring minds want to know. Okay, moving on to the story, I guess. First blood. This is your first blood. They're mighty vengeance. I don't know what am. I just wanted to go through the town. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to fly in a Quinjet. I don't know. <laughs> and he got no legs. Legs. <laughs> it was his tour de force. That was when he was looking for an Oscar. <laughs> uh, oh, 
opening uh, uh, on the first page, we've got uh, a Quinjet c- c- coming back. I guess is the Avengers. I guess the Avengers. Well, I guess the Quinjets could go in- into space. Obviously, they got this up there last time. Yeah, I guess this was the space Quinjet or the sp- maybe the the Quin rocket or the Quin ship. But uh, it's on its way back to Earth, and we've got the same kind of wispy clouds like we what we talked about last issue. Those uh, those George Perez clouds, those those really high cumulus clouds that are like way up in the outer atmosphere. Um, and we've got uh, seven Avengers and five beings of a distant future returning. Five dedicated defenders of the 31st century who shall come to be called guardians of the galaxy in their own time. They have spanned the centuries in pursuit of their most cunning and fearsome enemy, Korvac. And it has, Which, as I, I always... Which I think he was all that much of their enemy before this because didn't he only have one appearance or two appearances rather because he was in the defenders issue and he was in the, the thor issue and the thor issue wasn't that it well you know that's in the future maybe it, they just left themselves room to tell more tales i guess yeah I, I don't think he really wasn't a heavy hitter prior to this it wasn't until he got all hopped up on uh galactus's uh computer stuff and he Galactus's became steroids <laughs> you'll go like this Ugh. The, the the splash page is is I don't know it's just like uh, typical great George Perez everybody's face looks cool it's set mm-hmm. up like it, it looks very claustrophobic the way he drew it but uh, it does because you're so close you've you've got Cap and Iron Man are like right up in your face and uh, behind him you've got Charlie twenty seven not Charlie X. <laughs> You you got the vision peeking around Iron Man's ear, and and he has actually has ears on this version of his helmet, kind of little nubs for ears, and um, so you've got the vision's head. He's kind of poking around his his shoulder, and then you've got Starhawk just standing there looking in a daze, and uh, Cap's, you know, it's such little detail that that they're saying, hmm, the FAA has verified our our priority status, and we can't seem to raise Jar- Jarvis. In fact, all. All the HQs receiving seems to have been shut down. And uh, Iron Man's like, it can't be. Keep trying. And you know what's neat about Perez is that uh, Iron Man's armor, he's got the little shiny spots. Like, you've got light reflecting off of it, glinting off of it here and there. Yeah. Yeah, it is very cool. And even here, Cap looks pissed at Iron Man, doesn't he? (laughs) Not in this particular show. Well, let me not. I mean, he's probably concerned. But still, you know, Cap's been kind of, uh, like last issue, he was kind of... uh, a grumble bunny. Oh, he last last issue he was a douche. Yeah, douche cap. So we douche go cap. on. We we move on to the uh, the characters all spread out throughout the ship, and the first thing that jumps yeah. out at me is Merle. I mean uh, Yandu. Uh, <laughs> he he, he seems much more sophisticated than in the movie. Uh, well, yeah, this this Yandu is a little more sophisticated than uh, than than Merle. Now, than one, Merle one, of, one of the theories I've heard is that. Uh, since Guardians takes place in current day, it you could tie it into the uh, to the comic book Yandu as this is a a you know a descendant of the Yandu from sure. the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I got to point out, not really nitpick, how freaking big is this Quinjet? <laughs> uh, look at that page in in the top of page two. How big does that look? It looks much much less claustrophobic than that first shot. Yeah, because you can see way up in the front of, or, or way back in the back of this top picture, you can see Cap where he was just leaning over um, with Iron Man. But now we got a shot of the rest of, of the in- interior. 
of the Quinjet. And there's lounge chairs. There's like all these chairs everywhere. You've got Nikki and um, the Scarlet Witch. And uh, basically, um, basically, Nikki is saying, uh, doesn't ha- having Thor around so much uh, t- turn you on? Isn't he <laughs> and, she, and she says, well, I am married, Nikki, <laughs> to a mechanical man. That's one of the things, you know, when I was watching the Avengers movie and I was thinking about Scarlet Witch and Pietro and how they were portrayed there. And they are in the comic books, you know, Eastern European. Mm -hmm. uh, And the accents in the movie would be true to that. But the way they were written for many, many years was they had a very Western way of speaking. There There was no cultural differences from the fact that they were Eastern European as opposed to Western. And I, I think that was a, a shortcoming of the way they were written in the comics because everything was very just reader, you know, like uh, egocentric. Everything was like everyone needs to be like us kind of thing. Homogenized. They, they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, everything was homogenized. They didn't embrace diversity except for Thor. And, and people were very turned off by that. Actually, I remember like a lot of people didn't like the Thor speak. Thou and they and nay and thee. He's a, he's a Norse god. What do you want? Ah. Um, so, uh, one thing that I noticed in my hardcover, uh, we see the beast reading a book and let me flip to the page cause it's harder to read. Okay. And you and I talked about this prior to the show. The beast is reading a book called Grox, G R O O K S by Piet Hein. And we had discussed earlier that that is a type of, uh, a Grox is a poem um, it sounds to me like more like it should be a breakfast cereal. <laughs> Piet Hein, one of the one of the most original Danes of the 20th century, Piet Hein was indeed a many-sided man in the best sense. He was a philosopher, mathematician, designer, scientist, game inventor, and author. He also created a new form of poetry he called Grok, Grok in Danish. Okay. Piet defined uh, art as a way of thinking about all subjects, so for him, being a poet was only one outlet of, of his astonishing creativity. Uh, he asserted in his philosophical, philosophical writings that the great cultural divide was not between the haves and the have-nots, but between the nose and the nose-nots. And I'm probably a nose-not. And a grook is basically a type of poem that kind of like reminds me of the Sphinx from Mystery Men by reading some of these. Um, I thought they were the adults in uh, Miri. I think those were the grumps. Actually, they were the grups. The grups? Yes. Uh, but like here, here's one. Um, this is one's. This one's called a moment's thought. As eternity is reckoned, there's a lifetime in a second. That's it. That's it. That's a gruck. That's a gruck. Here's another one. Small things and great. He that lets the small things bind him leaves the great undone behind him. Now tell me that's not the Sphinx from Mystery Men. That's just like, why would you read a book of this crap? Well, anyway, that's what the Beast is reading on the Quinjet on the way back to Earth. So now back to our regularly scheduled comic book after that 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 that, that dive into... Into the world uh, of Gruck. Into the world of Grucks. So anyway, everybody's chit-chatting on the ship. Um, being that this is a late, a nice late, I mean, this is only what, a 17 page story? <laughs> is it that, that short? I didn't even realize. That's what Mike's Amazing World says. But this took a while to read. 
it's, well, the page counts thirty-two, but pages seventeen pages for this story. It's got some stuff going on. Yeah, so we're only on page two, and we haven't even got back to Earth yet. So, meanwhile, uh, they had to leave Vance up on uh, the. Uh, yeah, I don't know what their uh, space station is called. Uh, what was it called? Sentinel. Don't know. Mm. Hold on. But he was alone again, naturally. Da, 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 da. Just the like Gilbert O'Sullivan. I'm on the ship and everybody left Earth for without me. And I'm in aluminum foil. Because if I see myself, it'll disrupt the continuum. So I'll stay up here so I don't blow up the world. And everybody will have fun and I won't. And I'm still trying to find the name of their stupid spaceship, but I'm still reading and I can't, I can't find it in this copy. Isn't it nowhere? So, oh, no, nowhere. that's the current card. No. <laughs> that's the current one. Um, yeah. Okay, there's some truncating to be done here. I'm not trying to make a noise so we don't have to truncate so much science. So My you, God, so, I can't so he's, find. He's left all alone, and he's he's there's very so much Holly about there's it. So much reading here, and I can't find it. Anyway, he's still up there on this thing. Right. Calm down. Have some Mountain Dew. Oh yeah. But he, he's he's all melancholy, and the problem being that he thinks if he and his younger self get too close to each other, it could cause catastrophic disruptions in the time stream. So stay damn. Up. Stay up here, thousand-year-old man. You know what? He's a little overly dramatic there, too. Hmm, for most of my thousand years, I've been lonely. You know what? For most of your thousand years, you were sleeping. Yeah. You know, I thought the same exact thing. Oh, I've been lonely. No, you were asleep. You were in suspended animation for a thousand years. You've probably... Uh, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Shut up, bitch. That's <laughs> why I get Hank Pym to come in here and smack you. You don't know what lonely is, man. Yeah. <laughs> Go to my so high anyway. school, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the Avengers are flying back to Manhattan, Manhattan, or if you're Jude Law from uh, AI, Manhattan. They're back, uh, back in the New York groove. <laughs> that one was for Scott Rifen. Yep. So they go flying into the hangar uh, on the side of the the side of the mansion, and um, oh, that's what. Um, I can't remember what uh, the design of Avengers Mansion is was done by a certain museum in New York, right? I don't know. I I, I read this so, so somewhere, and I meant to ask you if you knew what it was. No, and I it don't. just it just reminded me. Let me do a, a quick Google search because maybe we could go there. Or are you? I I hear you quickly typing, so I'll let you do it. <laughs> like, what is Avengers Mansion modeled after, or something like that? It was some type of museum in New York. It's located at 895th Avenue. I don't know if it's based on the address. Uh, there was a mansion called the Frick Museum. Maybe that's it. That Stan Lee said he used to walk past and sort of modeled it after that beautiful, big, impressive building right on 5th Avenue. In real life, 895th Avenue is 1 East 70th Street, the location of the Henry Clay Frick House, which houses the Frick Collection. The building, like Avengers Mansion, is a city block-sized mansion. Uh, wow, that that is a pretty cool... That does kind of look like the Avengers Mansion. Yes, it does. Yes, it do. Mm, nice. Oh, wow. Anyway. We, we, oh. <laughs> let's, let's tangent back to the book. Oh, uh, so, must. They're flying into the side of the building. They, they haven't heard anything from uh, 
still nothing from Jarvis, and um, Cap is uh, getting ready to go into full full blown dick mode. Uh, they start off by making suggestions to Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. If if you were smart, you'd order a precautionary recon shellhead. And by that, I mean you're not smart. (laughs) And um, this reminds me of Star Trek The Motion Picture. At ease, mister, I'll make that decision when and if it's warranted. Got it? So they enter the hangar. I'm also thinking uh, it reminds me of Star Trek The Next Generation when the red alert goes off and uh, Picard is like, turn down that damn noise. (laughs) This is how I define unwarranted. Exactly, because they they land, the alarm's going off, and Nikki's complaining about the noise, and she's oh, is that noise supposed to kill the intruders? And Cap goes, you convinced that you, uh, what does he say, you convinced that action is unwarranted yet, Tin Man? This is how I define it. Yep, there it is. So they start heading downstairs, and uh, the Beast can't get in the elevator, so <laughs> Thor goes, step aside, Beast. I I guess Thor has no patience for elevators. I mean, they could have found some other way. Perhaps they could have used the stairs. Yeah, the son of Odin shall not abide such petty delays. Rip. (laughs) He just rips not only the door, but basically destroys the wall and everything. Follow me, Avengers. And uh, so they start to... um, Okay, I got a nitpick about this picture. Okay, the Scarlet Witch is... She's shimmying down the cable. Cap's going down like a ladder... Everybody's going down their own way. Yondu, he's doing a little shimmy. Thor probably just jumped. Beast is climbing down. Starhawk's floating down. Nikki's going down a cable. Iron Man is pointing straight down with his hands. He's only flying like, what, 30, 40 feet? Why wouldn't he just come down like feet first with his repulsors? Because in a sense, he's jumped like he's diving headfirst into the elevator. Yeah, that's a good point. and, and he's, not really, he's not really moving faster than, say, the Scarlet Witch who's shimmying down. Right, right. He should just float down. Now, maybe we've just got so used to seeing the Iron Man movies to where that's kind of more, you know, how we think we would see him. But it just kind of like, why, why are you diving head first? It would be different if it was a much further way to go or something. But, you know, anyway, minor nitpick. Anyway, they get down to the first floor. Oh, well, actually, before before they do that, uh, Vision takes off to inspect the rest of the building, and Wonder Man and uh, Charlie 27 were waiting up top uh, because they were worried about, I guess, Charlie, his body being so dense that he might snap the cables with his weight combined with everybody else's. And that's just such... It's, it's just so cool. It's such a little fact that gets thrown in here. Like it's, I I want to say it's not something that we would see in a lot of comics nowadays. I don't know. You might. They, they might have. They might well, dedicate maybe. the entire issue to the journey down the elevator. Oh, that's true. That's true. This whole journey. Yeah, this would be an issue. This this would be a miniseries. Journey down the shaft. Oh, that didn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then they get down below, and um, uh, Iron Man gives the. Uh, to word to move out, and uh, of course the beast goes, aye, aye, your iron ship, sir. Count on the beast to hop to it. And of course he's hopping away quickly. And also um, the Guardians are kind of impressed because they, they they see that, you know, that the Avengers are kind of like a well-oiled machine. They have the whole search procedure down, and they just decide, well, we're just going to step back and let them do their thing. Yeah, but Cap so, isn't quite as impressed at the well-oiled machine as the Guardians are. As usual. 
So, um, meanwhile, the vision is passing through uh, each room in the mansion, finding that each one has been ransacked. Uh, just passing by. <laughs> but nothing seems to have been stolen. It just seems like somebody's gone in and just messed everything up on purpose. And then finally, they get they get to the headquarters uh, door, and Iron Man uh, uses um, he concentrates his repulsors, b- building pressure against the door. And kabloom! So much for a couple thousand bucks worth of vandium steel plate. By Odin's beard, is there no limit to thine armor's prowess, Golden One? Meanwhile, Thor just burst through the elevator in two seconds, too. Surprised yeah, I know. as impressed as he is. Oh, it's blood, the intruder. At least it is an Ultron, but who? Wah, wah, wah. Henry Peter Guyrich. In plaid pants, no less. Uh, he's, he's in full Greg Brady mode. <laughs> with that... With that red hair and that buzz, that that flat top buzz haircut. Well, maybe not in this one, but yeah. And he's got those green glasses. I mean, well, this guy's fashion sense is horrible. He's he's got a black suit, a white shirt, some type of greenish sweater. It's, it's not a black got, suit. It's a black sports jacket. Oh, excuse me. Green checkered is, pants. And it's probably a leisure suit too, isn't it? No, no. Those those were all uh, pastel colored. And matching pants and jacket. You can't, you couldn't get away. It, it, it wouldn't make sense to have them be two different colors or, or schemes. So it's basically, the, he's he reads the green, the green sweater vest on and the black tie. I mean, he, he's styling. Get down by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. Peter Henry Guyrich is in Saturday Night Fever. Oh, he could probably rock it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm. Vengeance Mansion, Vengeance Mansion. No, nothing. Anyway, he basically reads him the riot act, says, uh, you guys suck. I walked through a hole in the wall, and who are these other clowns with you? Uh, you know, and, and if you keep this crapped up, I'm going to revoke your privileges because this has got to stop. And I, I do have to, I got to kind of call out the vision. Uh, he shows up a little late for the party. and oh, body, uh, pal. Oh. Everybody that's there. One, nobody could have untied Jarvis. Wanda's right behind Jarvis while the Vision is using his thermal optic beams to sever the cords <laughs> around his hands. Jarvis, or I will cut your hands clean off. <laughs> remain, re- remain absolutely still, Jarvis, while my thermal octave beams sever the cords and the tendons in your hand. <laughs> I'm like, just untie the freaking ropes. You know, Wanda, use your hex power. Make the rope fall apart. Yeah, I, I, was thinking the same, I was thinking the same thing as he was doing it. Like, why would you use that method of releasing him? It really makes no he, sense. I mean, Iron Man doesn't have, like, I don't know, a pocket knife or something. He could have flipped out, you know, a little, you know, Cap's got a, I don't know, he could have used a shield, uh, something. He could have just untied it. <laughs> How's that? That's for, for uh, just an interesting way to look at the problem, guys. What do you say? Yeah. I know you're the Avengers, but you don't have to take everything to such extremes, you know? <laughs> Hold on, Jarvis. I've, I've just put this stick of dynamite in the ropes. <laughs> when it goes off, you'll be free. Well, of course, this would go r- r- right along with um, <laughs> what we talked about when we did the, uh, the Ultron episode where <laughs> the Vision was heating up a cup of... A cup of coffee or a coffee pot with a solar gem embedded in his forehead. Show off. You know, we have stoves for that, okay? You know, I'm glad you could do that because I couldn't use all the microwave. <laughs> yeah, but this is much better. 
Really? A microwave is shielded. I'm sure the beam's coming off of that solar gem. I'm sure I haven't lost a couple months off my life. Thanks a lot, pal. Or you well, just I'm, I, made a... I get a good cup of coffee, but I'm sterile now. <laughs> uh, so, after they give Jarvis second and third degree burns, and Gyrich leaves, um, you know, they're basically... Uh, <laughs> Iron Man is apologizing to Jarvis, um, and he says, it's nobody's fault, you know, because it's, oh, he took me by aware, sir, perhaps if I took a, a jiu-jitsu course, ah, no, Jarvis, he never should, he never would have gotten in if the ferry hadn't poked a hole in the wall and damaged our electronic defenses, and, and there's, of course, I love about this era, of course, we've said, is that you have the little footnote to tell you where to go see that, and that happened in issue 165, and then there's a resounding bull. And here comes Cap Dick. Language, Cap, language. <laughs> and to anyone that's seen Captain uh, Age of uh, yeah Avengers Age of Ultron, they'll get that joke. And Cap basically reads uh, Iron Man: The Riot Act. The fact is that we should have beaten Nefaria before he ever got near this mansion. But this team's been a pushover since you became leader. It's your fault because you're treating your chairmanship like a part-time job. <sighs> well, you know what? Cap's being a douche, but he kind of has a point. If his personal agenda as Tony Stark, which he hasn't told anybody his identity at this point, if his personal agenda makes him so busy that he can't dedicate the time to being the team leader that he needs to dedicate, he should not have taken the position. Well, yeah, because if you really think about it, I, I, I mean, they just see him as Tony Stark's bodyguard. But he is Tony Stark. So he's running a, a business as well as trying to be the chairman of the Avengers. Yeah, I don't and question the fact that he doesn't have the time. But yeah. I do question his taking the, taking on the role. Right. And then Cap continues. This is, but, it, but, but that's what, what it is to you, isn't it? You're moonlighting as an Avenger because you have a full-time job as Tony Stark's personal bodyguard. And then, you know, you have the, the thought bubble in uh, for Iron Man. I am Stark, but I can't tell Cap that. Stark's been keeping you so busy lately that you haven't had uh, had time for. And then it also says, see recent issues of Iron Man. Um, and I did a quick peek over to see what was going on at this time in his book. It just just crossed uh, the 100 issue threshold. And he uh, was battling um, Midas, uh-huh. Modoc. Yeah, this was and, a good run in Iron Man, actually. This this was the start, I think, of the Bob Layton uh, era. Yeah, Dave and there was uh, Jack of Hearts was over there. So that's what was going on for the past few months in his book. Uh, just for anybody who's interested as to what, what actually was going on in his book. And then uh, Iron Man comes back and says, that's enough. You're entitled to your opinions, but I'm not going to let, him, uh, let you tear this team apart. My dealings with Stark are strictly my own business, or have you for... Have you forgotten all Avengers are guaranteed their personal privacy by our charter? And he goes, what? And then Cap freaking punches him. Which now, is why kind, kind of that? Because he goes, clack, kang. But what, what purpose does punching his suit of armor, per, what, what does it serve? You're not going to hurt him, but well, quite possibly going you're going to break your hand. What was going on in Cap's book at this time? Was this, was uh, this when Cap was becoming disillusioned? No, this would be later than that. Oh, okay. All right. This would probably be around. I, I'm just guessing here that it's around cap two two twenty or so. Uh, I, I'm thinking like this is where where you bring in the Ameridroid. 
if you remember him, the giant cap. Uh, oh, okay. I think it might be like I think we may be on the cusp of the John Byrne Roger Stern cap. Not quite there, but maybe just just before it. All right. But but cap is just so just. Douchey. I mean, he calls Iron Man. He he. He yells at him. He screams at him. You low life mercenary! Don't the Avengers pay enough for your services? You know, and this is funny uh, when you think back to what we just covered when you and Scott and I were together, and we talked about when we were looking through the the covers of the Avengers issues when we were talking about the villains, and that a lot of times they were fighting themselves. And here we are again. I mean, this is way before Civil War or anything like that, and here we have Cap and Iron Man on opposing sides of an argument. Yeah, true. You know, so this re- so Civil War was not quite as looking back here it was not quite the innovative. I mean, it was in a in, in a in a um, encompassing storyline for the whole Marvel line, but inside the Avengers, there's been feuds since they since they were founded. Yeah, and and honestly, this is more. I think this is more organic than the Civil War. Oh yeah, yeah. I felt the Civil War was kind of forced in order to make an event, whereas this uh, kept maybe being a douche, but I think it it, it fit the storyline much much better. And then you see, you know, he's obviously got other other issues that are bothering him because the way this resolves, where you know, Scarlet Witch uses her powers to throw a chair between them to separate them, and then points out to Cap that you know basically you know you're shitting on Iron Man, but meanwhile you know you you were useless against Ultron yourself. And then Cap walks off like a little girl, crying. You made your point, Wanda. I'm going. I don't need you. I don't need Avengers. I don't need anything. Just need this shield. That's all I need. And these wings. And this this paddle ball. And and this remote control. That's all I need. And Jarvis' rope. And Jarvis' rope. Oh, Vision, you burnt it, you dope. And this cup of coffee that the Vision made. It's all I need. And those of you that have seen the movie The Jerk will get that reference. If you haven't seen The Jerk, why are you even listening? Go 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 watch it now. Because we I like can spoil Thor. the hell out of that movie. <laughs> yeah. I like that Thor has to hold Iron Man back. That does it, Flag. Nay, Golden One. Stay thy wrath. <laughs> and, and, and one, Cap is holding his hand where he just punched Iron Man. He's holding his hand like, oh, why did I just hit him? But it says, "Let him go, Thor. I've trashed dozens of armors, dozens of armored foes in my time. He's just one more, and that's when Wanda chucks the chair. Although, <laughs> the shot they have of Wanda, she looks like she's looking at a painting because we have a shot in between her fingers with her thumbs are touching. I mean, it's actually a nice picture because she's just, you know, cast a whatever, you know, like a hex bolt to throw the chair. But we see the view between her between her raised hands." in between her her like her her fingers are framing her face yeah she's she's like a director trying to figure exactly that's what it looks like (laughs) she's wanda spielberg (laughs) so um yeah she like you said she calls cap out for his inadequacies which will be funny later because uh what is it in avengers uh, disassembled uh wanda and cap had a thing you remember that they had a thing Oh yeah, that was right before. I don't. Yeah, that was that. right before she went nuts, though. Um, and then it was after that. Well, they were always. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I yeah, I'll go back and look it up just to make sure. But uh, I seem to remember just prior to to uh, you know, don't disassemble Avenger Five. 
just before Avengers, uh, that whole thing went down before issue 500, it was, it was, there was like a little romance going on between Cap and Wanda. That's slut. So as Cap walks away to the Lonely Man theme, we cut to out west, and um, basically, I guess, uh, the two-gun kid and Hawkeye are performing parlor tricks to make their way across country. Kind of like a buddy cop movie or something. I don't know. A little bit of a bromance going on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right in the middle of their discussion of, of their nice little talk, poof, the two-gun kid disappears now. I remember correctly, didn't he come aboard sometime around issue 140? It was during a Kang storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because that's how he, he traveled he, back to the old west, and then he, when they came back to this time period, he came with them. Right, right. So yeah, he's been around for a while. But I don't think they did a lot with him. I think he was just kind of in the background. You knew he was well, in current day, but I don't think they did a lot of storyline with him. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty much just in those few Avengers stories. I don't know outside of those what else he might have been in. Um, hmm, hold on a second. Check my index. Vamp, vamp, because it, it'll, it'll. I think it'll tell me where he was prior to this issue and where he was next. All right. Well, as I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, wow, this this guy came to our time and he's still wearing the same outfit he wore in like whatever 150 issues of his own book. That thing's uh, got to stink. Yeah, I mean, really. I guess the nice thing is that he can, uh, you know, he can always uh, use a washing machine here instead of having to beat it against a rock. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's 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 nicely done as far as the uh, the mystery here when he disappears out of nowhere, and and you know they really don't dwell on it and they don't explain it at all. Uh, the card trick they pull is kind of, I guess, unbelievable. But you know, I don't know. Eh, it's a lot it's of unbelievable stuff in comics, but. Uh, uh, the fact that he's able to throw it up in the air and, and Hawkeye's able to shoot his arrows and get four aces with it, uh, I, I just don't know how you could possibly see four aces, nevertheless hit four aces, but I guess that's the whole idea. Hey, he's Hawkeye. All right, what would the abbreviation GR stand for? Ghost Rider. Oh, wait, I'll look it up. <laughs> Ghost, thank you. Thank you. You are correct. Okay, because prior to this, he was in Ghost Rider issue last. Okay, wait, okay. Hawkeye last in Ghost Rider. Oh, him and Hawkeye were both. He and Hawkeye, prior to this issue, their previous appearance was in Ghost Rider number 27. So, obviously, they maybe they were doing little guest spots all over the Marvel Universe. America's guests. Young American, we are the young American. Doing card tricks on the train ride. Anyway, back to Avengers Mansion. Uh... They're all looking around and going, well, I guess we need to start making plans to figure out how we're going to protect young Vance Astrovic from Korvac. And they all look around and go, hey, has anybody seen uh, Starhawk? So meanwhile, Starhawk is... Uh, hang, hang on, just to, just on that shot, the middle middle shot at the top of the page. It's almost like George Perez you know, drew the issue. And then as Jim Shooter was dialoguing it, he didn't know what to do because... Perez drew the vision, like kind of focused in that panel, even though he's really got nothing to do with going, what's going on. So there's the other two characters having a little conversation, and Vision is just going, eh? <laughs> it's hard to actually imagine a computer that would go, huh? Eh? <laughs> but I just find that amusing. Like, like it was like, oh, what am I going to do? He put this guy right in the front. So what, I mean, I guess you got to have him say something. You know what? Have him say, eh? 
Well, being a computer, wouldn't he say uh, interrogative? Uh, you know, no, no. He's, but eh? he's really not supposed to be a computer. He's I artificial. Know, I, I guess you know maybe later on when he when he interfaces with Isaac, but mm. at this point he's not really supposed to be a computer so much as just an artificial man. Anyway, just just to, so, you know, I noticed that so, that little word balloon, and I was wondering, like, yeah, I wonder what made them put that there. And you were wondering, eh? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So back to Starhawk and, uh, and address. Starhawk, Star Jenner. Uh, well, because Starhawk is actually two beings. Uh, it's um, I can't remember the male name for Starhawk is, but the female's name is Alita, and they're kind of husband and wife, but they're bonded. It's kind of like that whole Lady Hawk thing. Only one can be present. You know, you know, one could uh, like during the uh, anyway. Anybody that's seen Lady Hawk knows what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, right? No. You don't remember that? Nope. With, with, with Rutger Hauer, where he's the knight, then during the day... Never saw it. He is human, and Michelle Pfeiffer is a hawk, and then when night falls, he becomes a wolf, and she becomes a woman again, and Matthew Broderick is like the thief that helps them. You never saw that movie? Nope. You never saw Lady Hawk. Are you serious? I am totally 100% serious. Oh. Mm, okay, well... Uh, Can't it's help not you. that bad. At least from what I remember, I saw it in high school and it wasn't that bad. Uh, and I let's just get back to the book. <laughs> this isn't a Lady Hawk pod. This isn't a Lady Hawk podcast. Anyway, maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. So Alita slash Starhawk goes up to a nice little house in Forest Hills Garden. Uh, do you know where that is, Paul? Forest Hills, yeah. Yeah, is that, that in Jersey or is that in house? New York? I don't know. No, but is that in New York or is that in Jersey? Queens. Queens. Oh, okay. So she goes bebopping up. And that looks like and, a Tudor-style house, which there are uh, a significant number of Tudor houses in Queens. Is that because they have those little cross-hatched uh, window coverings? They almost look like gingerbread houses, <laughs> but full-sized, obviously. And not as delicious. I don't know. I've never eaten one. Full-size or small? Uh, full-size. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be too much for my diabetes, I guess. So anyway, answers the door, and uh, ding-dong, Avon calling. Is Korvac here? <laughs> so basically, she just calls him right out, and um, he tells uh, his main squeeze, Karina, which I got to say, they both look magnificent. You know, Korvac looks like blonde Arnold Schwarzenegger or Duke, Duke Nukem, I guess. He still reminds me of Gary Seven. But... Yeah, yeah, especially on the last page of this yes. issue. Absolutely. With that, yeah, that is that is a really cool, cool, cool shot. Now, some of these scenes through these next few pages kind of look Starlinish. Do you think? A little bit, a little bit, a little with, bit of Starlinish, and a little bit of George Perez. Uh, excuse me, a little bit of Steve Ditko type uh, imaginings in a George Perez style. Yes, yes, it's like a mashing of you know how uh, Starlin would do, like the darkness, the he, he would make characters' eyes look dark. Like he would or, put like dark shadows under their eyes and just give or, them Or to be uh, using the star field in their uh, drawings. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a big Starlin move. But you also right. got the Kirby Crackle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so much mixed mixed in here. Like su such a meshing of different styles in these next few pages. Because basically what we have over the next few... The synopsis really didn't do it justice to this battle that takes place not only on the physical plane. It takes place on like three or four different planes of existence because they're fighting on the physical plane 
on the astral plane, on a cosmic plane, on an aeroplane. Oh, wait. I got a little ahead of myself. But, a clean bagel. <laughs> but, and, and one of, um, like, for instance, in the, there's a physical battle, and when Starhawk punches Korvac in his cosmic, okay, in the, what, the way to describe it is that a planet is shattered within the cosmos of Korvac's mind. And you're just reading this going, whoa, okay, what is going on? And then in unison, the billion, billion souls who inhabit the sub-reality of the enemy's id scream in utter horror as their entire dimension trembles. A thousand voices cried out. A million voices cried out and were stopped. So it's like he's he's the force. And and then, sorry, sorry, go ahead. As you say, not not only is he really really dynamic in the poses and the shots and of the individuals and everything, he's very very creative with his pa- panel layout here. There's, there's no no nine nine uh, panel grids or anything like that in this thing. It's it's all over with circular panels and oh know, yeah vertical and, panels from the top of the page to the bottom. You know, right, and, all, it's it's like anything goes at this point. Which and also, prior to this. Prior to this, that's the way the book had been. It had been your standard, you know, basic panel layouts. Nothing really special. But once this battle starts, people are, you know, in, what is it, page 17. When Starhawk punches Korvac, he basically punches him out of the panel and his body is sprawled across the next four panels that are drawn behind him. And then, and then on that same page, as the battle is going on... Uh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson are noticing that the weather is just like freaky and there's an incredible wind out there. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man just says, or Peter Parker says it's just a freak storm, but that his spider sense is screaming, which, you know, is once again using Spider-Man's spider sense for whatever suits you as opposed to keeping it within a sort of normal parameters. But it's nice to have a touch on, you know, uh, this is what's going on while this is all happening. It's not going unseen by the you know, the Marvel Universe as on a whole. Right, but it ha- has to be said, though, that, that Korvac has taken great pains to hide himself from all detection. So it's kind of like this battle is kind of loosening those safeguards he had a place to hide himself. So certain beings with the ability to perceive things are able to subtly pick up what's going on. And although there is times in the past where Spider-Man's spider sense is a trope he is detecting danger so i would say it could it would be you know although it's usually when he's in imminent danger but maybe this is such a powerful force is why he's it's just it's coming from everywhere for him i think it's just you know once again using his spider sense in, in a manner that's convenient to them but you know that's okay again but it, it is a nice but it is a nice way this in a nice way this book kind of does draw in the rest of the marvel universe you know that that a cohesive universe of you know what's what's going on. Yeah, a little later that, we have Doctor Strange, you know, being aware of something going on, but you'd expect it with Doctor Strange because he is you know in tune with the mystical forces. But uh, you know, for Peter Parker to to be sensing it, it's it's showing just how wide ranging it is. I think. And then on the cosmic front, we have Captain Marvel um, also picks up something up, and then we also have um, Silver Surfer as well. Mm-hmm. And yet the Avengers at the mansion who are on guard for something to be going on are blissfully unaware. Well, that's because they're all, you know, 
recovering from cap dick. Yeah, that must be it. And then um, the whole the battle that Ray, that that rages on, you know, when you talked about the Ditko stuff, there's yeah, there's so many different. You know, he's bound in fire, then he's in, in, in ice, and um, then Corvat basically rips his whole body apart and dissolves him into dust on on the physical level, the cosmic level, his soul. He, and and I think is just one, one of the coolest panels is on page 30, is that he says it's finished. And you have, p- picture looking at a library in someone's house, but instead of a ceiling... The ceiling is nothing but a – you're looking in deep space, and there's a floating head with a giant purple – like a giant purple yellowish floating head with a giant hand. And out of this hand is pouring this pile of yellow dust, and it's pouring from the space scene down through the library, pooling into the floor of the library next to a lounge chair <laughs> and a coffee table. And then oh, the man. Next... Now i got to vacuum. <laughs> Quick. Get the, get, get the dust. I gotta dust. get. I gotta get the Dyson out. <laughs> so with well, the um, <laughs> with a cat sitting on it. <laughs> so um, now uh, Korvac Schwarzenegger comes back and he looks at the pile of dust and he basically waves his hand and the dust reforms back into the body of Starhawk. But this is where he goes and. He recreates him, except down at the you know, molecule by molecule, exactly as he was, but removes him f- from his body that he shall he, he he will never again shall his senses perceive me. That'll be important in a couple issues. <laughs> maybe not right now, maybe not tomorrow, but someday. So, um, and basically, Starhawk flies off, and as he's flying, he kind of suddenly realizes. Why am I flying here? I guess I got to go back to Avengers Mansion because I don't know what I'm doing out here. How the hell did I get here? Boy, right, I must like... have tied one on. <laughs> my God, what have I done? Letting the days go by. Corvac this is not my beautiful days. wife. This is not my beautiful house. <laughs> my God, what has Corvac done? So we're at we're now at the last page of the issue, and uh, Cap has gone off sulking to wherever he's gone. Uh, maybe he's you know beating up. Uh, he's got some Red Skull, Baron Zemo, giant size punching bags, and um, so they're making their plans. To, uh, that <laughs> Iron Man says, "I'm certain Tony Stark can arrange to buy a house in Vance's neighborhood for you guys to use as 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 an HQ." So I guess they're gonna like. Hopefully, there's like an abandoned house or just a, an empty house, or they're gonna displace a family. You know. Oh man, look who's moving next door. <laughs> There goes the neighborhood. They look like trash. What's that? What's up with that 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 tr- that tramp with the flaming hair? What's with that blue guy with the fin? Uh, oh, look that's, at that just, other guy. that's just Merle. Don't worry. Oh, oh man, that 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 one guy has to be on steroids. Look at the size of him. So they're gonna move into a house to keep an eye on Vance, and uh, that's pretty much it. And Starhawk comes back in, and uh, they're like, "Hey, where were you?" And he's like, um, it's imperative to our mission. Uh, accept the word of one who knows. Um, we must proceed, which is exactly what Korvac told him to say. So, and again, we have a character that says something that, uh, <laughs> do you think this is another case of like the other panel where Iron Man says, huh? Just like <laughs> earlier, <laughs> the vision said, eh? 
no, you know what? I'm 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 not thinking that because Iron Man in the panel before says, "Uh, did you find oh. anything out, or did you find out anything?" Oh yeah. And then oh, when yeah. when when he says only that we must uh, proceed with our mission and it's imperative, whatever. That's when he says, "Huh," because it's like, well, that's nothing. <laughs> you didn't tell yeah. me nothing, dude. And then the epilogue, the last three panels is uh, uh, night falls quietly over Forest Hills Gardens, where alone in a dimly lit study, a sullen figure. Hold on, let me put on my mood light. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is just like. Wasn't this the one we did for um, exactly like? Avengers 1.5, where Doom had the one light over him. Yes, yes, that's right. And this is the exact same shot. He's in in the library. He's got one lamp that just just casts light in a cone right over everything else. It's complete and utter darkness. And there's the light is only sh- shining down on him, and he's just got his fingers steepled in front front of his face. And the last page says, "and plans." And that's where he looks a lot like uh, like Robert Lance and Gary Seven. And, and you could have you could have just had a one word balloon there, and he could have been saying, "Excellent." <laughs> Next issue through though hell shall bar the way. Now, if my Which memory is will... correct, I'm reading this as we're doing them an issue at a time. I don't want to jump ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if my memory serves, the next issue is a fill-in issue, and you are correct. And, we and I think we have to go to that. 170 for the next next part yes. of this story. Next time on the Korvac Saga, we will be covering Avengers issue 170, not 169. Oh, just just it's worth mentioning about this issue that we I, I thought we'd get to at some point in it. Uh, in the last issue, we were somewhat critical of Pablo Marcos's inks that he kind of had a heavy hand in them. And I think he did much, much better in this issue. As I yeah, looked through it, I, I really didn't see I would see agree. It, it looked yeah. to me like he was more detail-oriented and less less heavy uh, inclined. Uh, the, the panels where there is, you know, uh, an extra amount of dark lines, uh, it's, more, it's, it's more warranted in the story, I think, than it was last issue. Like so. a lot of the, uh, the space stuff? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, the, and the very last page where he's sitting in darkness, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. But, but yeah, all the other well lit ones are 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 pretty uh, good. Yeah, last last issue, I thought he had a heavy hand, and I really didn't feel that way. This issue, I think this is far superior job as far as the inking goes than the last one. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, do we do we rate did we rate the last one? I don't remember. Oh, I think we gave it all A's. Yeah, I'm gonna just say yeah again. Yeah. Uh, inclu- including the cover, the interior art, the story, the inking, everything. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying doing it this way and not jumping ahead. Like I don't want to read issue 170 until we're ready to cover it. And and I'm, I'm, this is great. It's just a great story. Yeah, because I didn't read this until until tonight because I couldn't find the book. Well, normally when we do bins, it's like we cover what we cover, and and a lot of times I think whatever we're going to cover. Uh, there's a good chance that the people out there don't have it available, so they have to be dependent on us to carry them through it if they're listening. Uh, in this instance, even if you don't have it, I'd strongly recommend that you get it and read it along with us because it's just such a good story. Oh, yeah, because we can't do justice to the art that's in here. And he, there's so I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb on this one, <coughs> and I'm going to say I think in the grand scheme of things, I prefer the Korvac saga to Under Siege. And that's, that um, is... That is high praise because I loved Under Siege. Well, yeah, yeah, I did too. I mean, I there. Um, this was the 
uh, I was reading this and the Celestial Madonna one at, at the same time, and I like each of them for different reasons. I mean, it was much later that I read Under Siege because because actually when I was collecting these, um, uh, Under Siege had not come out yet. It was still in the future uh, because I wasn't getting these when they came out. I still got these after the fact, probably about 10 years after the fact was when I was collecting these. But when they came out in the 70s, I was getting them in the 80s. So and then Under Siege came out in what the late 80s, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think it was more like the mid 80s, but. Mid, mid eight, yeah. Close enough. So, so it was the early eighties when I was collecting. So maybe not ten years, but maybe about five or six years afterward when I was actually getting these and the Celestial Madonna stuff at the same time. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I like this because it's, it's like the long story and it builds and builds and builds. I like Under Siege for different reasons because it just like that happened. It was one, it was one event. Uh, and I don't mean event as in crossover or anything. I mean it was it was it it, it was one instance that happened. Whereas this this kind of goes along and, and and it builds over time is why I like this. Same thing with the Celestial Madonna. I know if Scott was here to be going Jesus, yeah, probably, <laughs> but, uh, probably would be saying exactly that. But yeah, I do have a soft spot in in my heart for this one. Maybe a little bit over uh, above Under Siege as well. And on that note. Because <laughs> so. I can't agree with you more, to be honest with you. I, 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 I would, I wanted to add something to the comment, but I think you kind of pretty much hit it. That's exactly how I feel about it. And I love, I love the Celestial Madonna story too. So, as long as we're doing episodes without Scott, maybe we'll cover that too. Yeah. Yep. Now I don't feel that has the same uh, epic cinematic feel that this does. Well, I don't know. It's been a long time since I read that. We might. I don't know. That one was pretty long too, and and very, very, very involved. Yeah, I think that one we may need to cover in a different manner, not like one issue at a time. I think we may have to cover it maybe in arcs. Yeah, because there was, I don't know. It's been because that one had a lot of build up too with the introduction. Because that involved the Zodiac at one point, mm-hmm. and then the Kawati and Amortis, and that was with Wanda and. And the vision getting married. I mean, there was just so much in there. When we get to that one, I think my suggestion is going to be that we start by doing uh, the uh, the Zodiac, the two issue Zodiac story, and then we'll work from there. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We still have a lot of Korvac saga to cover first. Oh yeah, we still we still have a ways to go. So uh, there's a couple good ads in here. We had the Dingaling ad, Thor and the Dingaling family, which you guys have. Uh, has been covered before. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mike and uh, and Scott did a dramatic retelling of that one. Scare anyone? Giant magic ghost. <laughs> it's very scary. Ooh. <laughs> but otherwise, your typical comic book ads. To all who want powerful muscles, fast. Boy, that guy needs a different color swimsuit because that's just kind of scary at first glance. <laughs> please, please don't wear a flesh tone colored swimsuit sir at least in a black and white picture that's just just not not right at all i I've, i'm just gonna have to you know i think i've said enough <laughs> all right so uh next time on an all new uh avengers spotlight we'll be doing issue number 170 and i'm looking forward to it i hope what's you the, guys are too what's the title of that one hold on hold on isn't it uh, that's exactly what this story ends with, with it? was it i think so oh um, hmm. 
I wasn't sure if it was the same title. Oh, yeah, because the next one that happens is If We Should Fail, The World Dies Tonight. So, yeah, the next one is Though Hell Should Bar the Way. And the reason there was a delay was because, um, uh, uh, okay, the note on issue 169 is, uh, this issue story is a standalone fill-in tale published. Man, I need to sucks i can't read without my glasses anymore well the writing in this in this in- index is really small mm-hmm. oh, much better okay uh due to deadline problems which is why it is chronologically out of sequence with adjacent issues and it's a nice little one-shot tale it's got the black panther iron man and cap in it basically so well, it works works for me maybe someday we'll cover that on a on, on a whim maybe, yep. maybe when we do, when we do just uh random issues yeah so yeah, yeah, we still got quite looking at it. Head one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, we got like another seven or eight issues. And that, that one issue per show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Takes a while. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like I like going over these in depth. So mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully the listeners enjoy it as much as I do. So. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time and have a good day, good evening, or good night. We'll see yeah, you. That that's uh, me too. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and is a registered trademark of DeManzocore of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I would just start laughing.